Amen. I hope that blessed you today and helped you today. Let's take our Bibles. Please turn to John chapter 11. We continue our Portraits of Christ series this morning. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. John chapter 11. Let me encourage you, two weeks from today is our Open House Sunday. Please take some invitations. We have 5,000 of them. We've got rid of a lot of them. We don't want any left over. We're going to be going out and putting them in mailboxes as well. But please, everybody, take as many as you can and distribute those and get those out to friends and family. Uh, They're more likely to come if they know you and and let them know you'll sit with them in church and you'll get them to Sunday school, what have you. We're going to have a breakfast that morning at 10 a.m., 1045, our morning service. And so please, please, please invite as many people as you can. More importantly, pray. All right, take some time. We're going to set aside some prayer time on both of our Wednesday night services coming up just to pray for this special day that sinners might come to the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Pray also for our preacher, Pastor Harry Strachan. We're glad that he's coming, and that'll be a good little reunion for him as well. And uh, he'll sing a little bit and preach a lot, and we're looking forward uh, to hearing from him again. So that's uh, two weeks from today, September the 20th. But please, there's lots of invitations in both lobbies. Please take those and distribute those uh, over the coming weeks. All right? John chapter 11. John chapter 11. We're going to begin reading in verse 17. Now tonight, if the Lord would uh, allow us, we're going to look at verses 1 through 16, and we're going to look at the life of Thomas. The life of Thomas. I, uh, I tripped over one of those verses again. I've talked about that before, but one of those verses just kind of jumped out at me, and we're going, to, we're going to look at that tonight. John chapter 11, though, we'll start in verse 17. The Bible says, Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. We're talking about Lazarus here. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about fifteen furlongs off, and many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at that last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary her sister secretly, saying, The Master is come, and calleth for thee. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. Now Jesus was not yet come into the town, but but was in that place where Martha met him. The Jews then, which were with her in the house, and comforted her when they saw Mary that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep there. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled, and said, Where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Jesus therefore again groaning in himself cometh to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha the sister of him that was dead saith unto him, Lord, This time he stinketh, for he he hath been dead four days. Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldst believe, thou shouldst see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. When he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. 
Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful today that we have the resurrection to look forward to. We're thankful that Jesus is the resurrection and the life and that all that come to Jesus Christ can have this assurance in their hearts. Father, bless our time in your word. We need your Holy Spirit's presence and power. Father, many are away today because of the holiday weekend, and we pray there that they have found a place today to worship, and Lord, that they would grow spiritually. But for those that are here, may we turn our eyes to John chapter 11. May we look at this resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and how he provides for us that same hope. Father, may the Spirit of God fill me and use me today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the Bible doctrine of the resurrection is of great interest for the believer. It was a matter of debate among the early Jews, and it was difficult to swallow for many of the different sects throughout history. There were Jews that came to the Lord Jesus and asked about the giving of marriage in the resurrection, and they were trying to cause Jesus to stumble, for the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. But if we, by simple faith, will believe the plain words of Scripture, we will understand that Jesus has promised a resurrection for those that believe. There were actually several resurrections mentioned in the Bible, and we'll just briefly look at those quickly. They give us a picture of that resurrection that is to come. The Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 17 that there was a resurrection of the son of the Zarephath widow. Elijah called him back to life. Elisha also took part when the son of the Shumanite woman was raised from the dead. The man who raised from the dead when his body touched Elisha's bones. You remember being lowered in the grave in 2 Kings 13. Jesus raised the son of the widow of Nain, Luke chapter 7. Jesus raised the daughter of Jairus in Luke chapter 8. Jesus in John 11, as we've just read, raised Lazarus from the dead. Many of the saints who rose from the dead at the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says that the temple veil was rent in twain, and many that slept in the ground rose and walked into the cities and went back to be with their families. It was a down payment or an earnest of the resurrection that which was to come. Then we see in Matthew chapter 28 that Jesus rose from the grave. You know, it's interesting to me that we often look at those that were raised from the dead by different prophets and different preachers. Peter raised Eutychus uh, from the dead. And we read of others in the Bible that uh, Peter, raised, uh, Peter raised Dorcas from the dead. Paul raised Eutychus from the dead. And we think of those people that raised others from the dead, but only Jesus raised himself from the dead came back from the grave, and we see in these ten examples the pictures of our resurrection that is to come. Now think about it in this way. Of the billions and billions of people that have lived upon the earth, very few have risen from the grave. We've read of ten instances, and only one was it a mass resurrection when Jesus died on the cross. We don't know how many rose from the grave on that day, but the Bible gives us a few examples, but out of the billions that have ever lived, there's only a very few But it is enough to prove to me today that if it happened before, it can happen again. And the truth of the matter is this. If every knee is to bow, that means everybody will stand before God and give an account one day. Everybody will be resurrected to stand before God. There are some future resurrections we look forward to in the Bible as well. The Bible talks in Revelation chapter 11 verses 3 to 12 of the two witnesses in the book of Revelation, how they will die and lay in the streets for three days, but then their life will come back into them and they will walk around in witnesses of the power of God. The Bible talks about the resurrection of the just to eternal life. In Daniel chapter 12 and verse 2, it says, and many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life. But then we also read of the resurrection of the lost to shame and everlasting contempt. And it says in that same verse, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those previous ten Bible instances give us an assurance that these last three will also happen. It was inspired of God and written for us to help us understand that God is not just the God of the living, but He is God with power over the dead as well. He has the keys to death and hell. Now, I couldn't possibly, in the time that we have this morning, explore this entire doctrine and exhaust it. We just, we just don't have that kind of time in one service to do that. And so we're going to look at some things this morning. In the few minutes that we do have, I will preach three things that I believe are the utmost importance to both the saved and the unsaved today. 
If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, I will tell you this, by the end of our message today, you may not understand all the ins and the outs of the resurrection. Eschatologically speaking, or talking about prophecy or the future, you may not come out of the service and say, well, I'm not sure when that's going to take place. But I want to prove to you today, because we don't have much time, that it will take place, and that you must know Jesus to be a part of it. All right? Now, if you can get to know Jesus Christ and be a part of the resurrection unto eternal life, then we can worry about the timing of it another time. Amen? The first thing's first. We need to know that we're saved. We need to know that we are part of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So let me give you three things this morning. And the first two might go rather quickly. The third one we'll spend a little more time on. But first of all, I want you to see in the scripture the promise of the resurrection. The promise of the resurrection. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 22. Have your Bibles open and ready today. We're going to have to look at a few scriptures. Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. The promise of the resurrection. Now, Matthew chapter 22, the Bible talks about that time the Sadducees came to Jesus. And in verse 23, the Bible says, The same day came to him the Sadducees, which say that there is no resurrection, and asked him, saying, Master, Moses said, If a man die, having no children, his brother shall marry his wife and raise up seed unto his brother. Now there were with us seven brethren, and the first, when he had married a wife, deceased, and having no issue, left his wife unto his brother, likewise the second also, and the third unto the seventh. So what's happening here is this woman marries seven brothers. She marries the first, he dies. She marries the second, she dies. Every time she hasn't had a child. And so because of that, a kinsman redeemer steps in, a brother. Seven brothers to raise up a name of a child in the name of their brother. And the Bible says in verse 27, And last of all, the woman died also. Therefore in the resurrection, whose wife shall she be of the seven? For they all had her. And of course, the Sadducees are trying to trick Jesus. I mean... Foolish, isn't it, to think that we can put one past on the Lord Jesus Christ, that we can sneak up on Jesus. Now, the Bible says Jesus answered in verse 30 and said unto them, Ye do err, and knowing, not knowing the Scriptures nor the power of God, for in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. I want you to notice that Jesus just reaffirmed the resurrection. He didn't deny it. He didn't side with the Sadducees. And they were asking him a question, trying to trap him and reel him in. And right away, Jesus says, you do err, not knowing the scriptures. For in the resurrection, Jesus gives us the promise. We see several times in the Bible that there are promises. Job, perhaps the oldest book in the Bible, recorded this in verses 25 through 27 of chapter 19. For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter days upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold, and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. Now listen, just this past week we went to a funeral. On Wednesday we, we buried Earl Fleming. And I was at the funeral home before the service. I was there to see the body laid out in a casket. I was there when the funeral directors closed the casket. His body was there. We went to the graveside. They took the body and they placed it upon the grave and they buried him there. Now the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present from the Lord. There are two states there then, isn't there? There's the physical state, that body that goes to the ground that Job's talking about. And then there's the spiritual condition. To be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. The Bible talks about the rich man and Lazarus and how Lazarus was in Abraham's bosom. And now, there's a whole lot of teaching there, and that's Old Testament, New Testament economies. And that, again, we don't have time for that today. But this we know, when that body goes in the ground, it begins to decay. It is separate from God. The Spirit is in the presence of the Lord, in a place of rest, in a, a place of comfort, and, and God is, is in communion with that soul, but that body is laying in that grave and decaying. But Job did not say that I will stand there spiritually before God. He said, I will stand there in my flesh before God. I shall in my flesh see God. 
something has to take place. That body has to somehow have life breathed into it again and has to stand before God at the latter day. If we are going to stand there in the flesh, he says, and though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. And so it is not only just the flesh resurrecting, but it's being reconstituted. Because the Bible says the body has been destroyed by worms in this case. You see, in those days, they didn't have a, a vault. They didn't seal that body in the grave like we do today, and so the body would be greatly decayed, and likely even the bones have turned to dust thousands of years later, but God is able to reconstitute that very body. Some people say, well, what about those that are cremated, and what about those that uh, have fallen into the sea and have been eaten by an animal of some sort or killed by a shark? Or, Hey, God is, God is all-powerful. Did he not create Adam out of the dust of the earth in the first place? And breathe life into that dust. He can reconstitute that body. Job says, in my flesh I shall see God. Isaiah chapter 26 verse 19. The Bible says, thy dead men shall live. Together with my dead body shall they arise. Awake and sing, ye that dwell in dust. For, they do, for thy dew is as the dew of herbs. And the earth shall cast out the dead. Who's he talking about? He's talking about those that lie and that live in the dust. Have you ever, have you ever lived in the dust? Have you ever done that? There was always a great fear around our place because my grandfather had a sand pit. He'd sell sand to those that were making concrete and such. And as kids, we were not allowed to play back there because it had these great big hanging cliffs. And they said, if those cliffs come down and that sand, you you can't breathe. It'll suffocate you in that sand. You, You can't live in the sand, but the Bible says they're living in the dust. He's talking about those that are going to be resurrected to life. He says very clearly, thy dead men shall live. Together with my dead body shall they arise. Awake and sing, ye that dwell in the dust. Isaiah believed in the resurrection. Joel believed in the resurrection. Daniel believed in the resurrection. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. The Sadducees must have missed those verses. But there's good news for the New Testament believer as well. Not only is it given in the Old Testament, it is affirmed in the New Covenant as well. We see in John chapter 5. Now start turning with me. Look at John chapter 5. We see first of all, and most importantly by the way, the resurrection was proclaimed by Jesus. John chapter 5. And look with me if you will. In verse 21, for as the Father raiseth up the dead and quickeneth, what's that next word? Them. So he's not talking about Jesus Christ, is he? Because them is plural. There's more than one person he's going to resurrect. So as the Father raiseth up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. So Jesus also has a part in the resurrection. Verse 25, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they, sh- and they that hear shall live. One day, hey, by the way, just like Lazarus, one day God's going to call your name and you're going to come forth out of the grave. It was proclaimed by Jesus. It was preached by Peter. Look in Acts chapter uh, 4. Acts chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, keep turning with me. I'm pretty sure that the Baptists are the first they're going to go, by the way. Because the Bible says the dead in Christ shall rise first. You all seem tired today. Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. And as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. They preached through Jesus. They didn't preach of Jesus' resurrection in this case. They're preaching through Jesus that one day you'll rise from the dead. This is Peter and John. So it was proclaimed by Jesus, preached by Peter and John, promised by Paul. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And perhaps this is one of the the greatest scriptures that we have about this topic. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We use this all the time. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 
verse 50. Look at verse 50. The Bible says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We're talking about the promises of Paul now. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. The Bible says in verse 13, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. He's not going to leave them in the grave. When he sounds the trumpet and Jesus raptures his saints, he's not going to leave the dead in the graves. He's going to bring them with them. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. So it's proclaimed by Jesus, preached by Peter, promised by Paul, and prophesied by John. Turn to Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20. You know, I get a kick out of things, to be honest with you. Here's what I, that makes me laugh sometimes. People will take things like the resurrection and they'll say, well, that's just a fringe doctrine a few Baptists believe. Do you know that, we won't have time today, but do you know that there's over 100 references to the resurrection in the Word of God? Incredible. Over 100 references, not to just Jesus' resurrection, I'm talking about besides the resurrection of Christ, of the resurrection of the dead to stand before God. Over 100 references in the Bible. Revelation chapter 20, we see that it was prophesied by John. Look at verse 4. And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, and for the word of God, which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. And the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. Now look what it says. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. We see in the scriptures very plainly today the promise of the resurrection. It was given in the Old Testament by Job, Isaiah, and Daniel. We see that it was proclaimed by Jesus, preached by Peter and John, promised by Paul, and prophesied once again by John in Revelation chapter 20. Secondly, this morning, we're moving very quickly the particulars of the resurrection. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we'll work through some of those things that we saw just a moment ago. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the particulars of the resurrection. Now, my first two points are highly introduction, because we're here to talk about Jesus today, the resurrection and the life. I want you to understand what the resurrection is. I want you to understand that the resurrection has been promised, but I want you to understand most importantly today that without Jesus, none of it is possible. Revelation, or sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The Bible says, if you look with me in verse 35, we've already read some of it, Let's look quickly at some of the particulars, the particulars of the resurrection. The Bible says in verse 35, but some men will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? So the question is asked, and so Paul's going to give some of the particulars. Thou fool, that which sowest is not quickened, except it die. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest, not that the body not that body that shall be, but bear grain, it may chance of wheat or of some other grain. But God giveth it as a body as it hath pleased him, and to every seed his own body. 
All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another of fishes, and another of birds. There are also celestial bodies, bodies terrestrial. So now we get the first hint, don't we? There are bodies that live on this earth, terrestrial, and bodies that live in heaven, celestial. God is saying there's two different types of bodies. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. But the glory of the celestial is one and the glory of the terrestrial is another. They're different. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars. For one star differeth from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. Now here's our first particular. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. Amen? Now, how many of you know what it's talking about there? How many of you are starting to be corrupt? I'm not talking about morally, but physically. You started to get sore. You starting to feel the age. You starting to get a little arthritis, maybe. I played hard as a teen, and, I, and I, you know, when it rains now, my knee aches. And you start to feel those things. As, that's because our body is corruptible. We can be injured, we can hurt, we can break down, we can age, we, we gray, we lose our hearing, we lose our eyesight, and, and all these things that happen. But the Bible says this corruption shall put on incorruption, unbreakable, unbreakable. The Bible talks about a place of called heaven where moth doth not corrupt. Thieves can't break into steel, rust cannot hurt it. Why? Because it's incorruptible. And the Bible says our bodies will be like that one day after the resurrection. So we have an incorruptible body. Verse 53 says, For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. The Bible talks more about this body in verse 43. It says it is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is a glorified body. The Bible also talks about it as sown in weakness. It is raised in power. How many of you have lost some of that power you once had? Boy, when I was, when I was a boy, I used, to, I used to like playing basketball. And uh, Brother Wilson and I, every day at lunch, we played basketball, didn't we? Would you play every day? I played every day. I mean, we would eat lunch at recess so we could be the first on the basketball court at lunch. And I... Every single day we'd play, play basketball. And I, I enjoyed it. I had a good time with it. And so now my kids will say, hey, come to the gym. Let's play basketball. Yeah, I could play basketball. What that really means is the last time I played 25 years ago, I could play. But it's not the same anymore. Our bodies change and tired. And, and boy, I'm, I'm looking forward to a glorified body. Even that body as a teenager wasn't perfect. I still got injured and hurt and, and ran out of breath and things like that. But uh, praise the Lord for a glorified body and a powerful body and a body that will do things we, we never expected on this earth. Now look what the Bible says in verse 44. Not only is it a glorified body, an incorruptible body, a powerful body. The Bible says in verse 44, it is sown a, uh, it is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. This body will do all kinds of things you couldn't do before is a spiritual body. We're going to look at that a little bit more in just a moment, all right? Then look at verse 49. Jump down. Verse 45. Let's read it all. And so it is written, the first man Adam was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is, of, is the Lord from heaven, and is the earth. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we also shall bear the image of the heavenly. Do you know the Bible says when I got saved, I became a new creature. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, I believe it's verse 18, that it says that we with open face behold looking into a glass... We are changed into that image that we see, the Lord Jesus Christ. We become more like him. But one day, when we are resurrected, we will be glorified to the point where we are more like Jesus than we've ever been. We'll have a heavenly body. 
Now look at verse 50. 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal, here's our last one, must put on immortality. It is an immortal body. That means it'll live forever. Praise God for that. I've been promised everlasting life because I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But I can't do it with this body. That promise cannot be fulfilled in this flesh. For flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So my body will be sown as a seed in the ground and this corruption will put on incorruption and this mortality will put on immortality and I'll realize the promise of God. And in my flesh I will see God like Job. And Daniel chapter 12 says some will be raised to everlasting life. That'll be us if we have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. But most importantly this morning, and here's what we want to look at. I told you I didn't have time to get into all the particulars. I want you to see the person of the resurrection. This is the most important thing. We've talked about the promise of the resurrection, the particulars of the resurrection. But I want you to see the person of the resurrection. Turn to John chapter 11 again this morning. John chapter 11, our text. John chapter 11, verse 25. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. I want you to notice the Bible doesn't say, And whosoever liveth and believeth and goeth to church. It doesn't say, And whosoever liveth and believeth and is baptized. Just says, whosoever believeth. If you live here and you believe in me, you can have eternal life. Because I'm the resurrection. Not baptism, not the church, not a denomination, not some figurehead. I don't know if you saw the other night, they, they had, and, uh, the Pope was having audiences with people right on a big screen. Did you see that? People went to different churches and they sat there in these cathedrals and, and he'd come on the screen and they could talk to the Pope. And he was absolving their sins. I watched for a few minutes. And he was, your sins are forgiven. And he's, oh, Jesus Christ is my prophet, priest, and king. Jesus, the Bible says there's one mediator between God and man. It's the man Christ Jesus. It's Jesus that, that makes it so that I can go boldly to the throne room of grace and I can ask for mercy and find grace in my time of need. It is Jesus that reminds us that, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, not some pope and not some potentate and not some religious leader and not some priest in a booth and not some pastor and not some, not, not some cultic leader. It is Jesus. He is faithful and just to forgive me of my sin and he will cleanse me from all righteousness nobody else why because he is the resurrection and the life it is Jesus only Jesus you know this claim that Jesus makes that he is the resurrection and life that's an incredible claim to make if you die and go to the grave and stay there but the fact that Jesus is the resurrection was punctuated by his rising from the grave he put an exclamation mark right at the end of John chapter 25 when he rose victorious over death and hell. Turn, if you will, to John chapter 20. You say, well, preacher, we know that Jesus rose from the dead. Hey, there may be a skeptic sitting here today, and if you know it, why don't you pray while we read the scriptures for that soul to be saved? John chapter 20, the Bible says, The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark, unto the sepulcher, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. Then she runneth. And cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulchre, and we know not where they have laid him. 
Peter therefore went forth and that other disciple and came to the sepulcher. So they ran both together and the other disciple did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulcher. And he stooping down and looking in saw the linen clothes lying yet went not in. Then cometh Simon Peter following him and went into the sepulcher and seeth the linen clothes lie and the napkin that was about his head not lying with the linen clothes but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went in also that other disciple which came first to the sepulcher and he saw and believed for as yet they knew not the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again unto their own home. But Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher and seeth two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. Boy, we could say that today, couldn't we? They have taken my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. Verse 13, verse, uh, sorry, 14. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou hast borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus saith unto her, Mary, she turned herself, and saith unto him, Rabbani, which is to say, Master. Jesus saith unto her, Notice this now, touch me not. For I am not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. Now Jesus has risen from the dead, but he says, don't touch me. I've not yet risen to my Father. So he hasn't been called home yet. Now keep reading. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples, verse 18, that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things unto her. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. Now wait a minute. The doors were shut. How did Jesus get in? Well, he must have walked right through the wall. There was all, all of a sudden, Jesus is just standing there. He's there in their midst. No, it doesn't say that somebody knocked on the door and they unlocked the door and let him in. He's just there. And so for some, something's had to have happened. He rises from the grave. He says, not yet ascended to my father. Later in the day, he comes. And in verse 20, it says, and when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and sighed. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, peace be unto you. And my father has sent me. Even so send I you. Now, somebody wasn't there. Who wasn't there when he, Jesus appeared to them? It was Thomas. You'll remember that other scriptures record for us that Thomas came later on and they said, hey, Jesus was here. He showed unto us his hands and his feet. He says, unless I see it for myself, unless I put my hands in the prince and I thrust my hand in the side, I won't believe it. So Jesus showed up later and he saw Thomas and he says, go ahead, touch. Go ahead. Jesus, Thomas never touched. We'll talk about more of this tonight. He just says, my Lord and my God. Now here's something that happens. He tells Mary, don't touch me. I haven't ascended to my father. Later that day, he's walking through walls and saying to Thomas, go ahead and touch me. Obviously, he's ascended to the father. In between, he made a trip. That's traveling, isn't it? That's pretty quick. But somewhere in between, Jesus made a trip. You say, how is that possible? Because he has a glorified body now. And that glorified body's walking right through walls. Remember, the, you say, well, I, I don't get that. We're going to have a resurrected body, and, we can, and Jesus, if he's our example, he's walking through walls. I don't, I don't get that. Wait a minute, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. That glorified body must not be flesh and blood. It's different, it's changed. It's incorruptible, it's immortal, it's glorified. You say, what can it do? I don't know, but I can't wait to find out. It's going to be different. It's going to be new. And so we see that the, the, the resurrection was punctuated by his rising. In the book of Acts, if you'll turn over just another page, the Bible says, The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, 
to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many, by many infallible proofs. Do you know that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, everything should be established? And the Bible says he appeared to the disciples, he appeared to Thomas, he appeared to over 400 brethren at once. He appeared to the disciples again on the seashore. Listen, this is infallible that Jesus Christ showed himself alive. Now let me say this, if Jesus is running around the world preaching, I am the resurrection of the life, and there's still a grave in Jerusalem that has a tomb sealed by a stone across the door, and it says, here lies Jesus, we don't have any hope. But because Jesus Christ, by many infallible proofs, arose from the grave and he lives today. Listen, friends, I can look forward to, I'm going to arise one day. And I'm going to stand before Jesus. And in my flesh I will see him. Man, what a promise of scripture. It was punctuated by his rising. It was pictured by his saints. Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. Amen. Matthew chapter 27. This is, I had, believe it or not, I had somebody ask me one time, Pastor, would you take a Wednesday night and preach on this? This was years ago. And let me tell you, it wasn't easy to do because we don't know everything. But look what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 27 and verse 50. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghosts, and behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent, and the graves were opened, and many of the bodies of the saints which slept arose, and came out of the graves after his resurrection, and went into the holy city, and appeared unto many. If you'll notice in verse 52 and verse 53, we we see two resurrections there. The Bible says when he died in verse 52, the graves were open and the bodies of the saints arose. But then in verse 53, they came out of the graves again at his resurrection as well. So there's death and resurrection. We see saints coming out of the ground and walking into the city. You say, what does that mean? All I know is it means this, that when Jesus Christ died and he descended to preach into those captives in hell, just his very presence caused those dead bodies to shake and to wake up and to leap out of the graves. Listen, when Jesus says, come forth, We're coming forth. He has the power over death. We see it as pictured by his saints, and we see also it's presented by his apostles. Philippians chapter 3. This is our last verse, but this is important. Now listen, I'm not just talking about a resurrection this morning. We did that in the first part. I'm not just talking about the particulars of the resurrection. We did that in our second point. I'm talking about if you want to see a resurrection, you must know Jesus Christ. Those saints wouldn't have come out of the ground if Jesus hadn't gone in. Those saints wouldn't have come out of the ground if Jesus hadn't resurrected from the dead. The apostles said, uh, we, we by many infallible proofs will preach the resurrection of the dead because Jesus rose from the grave. If you don't know Jesus, you have no hope. But thirdly, it was presented by the apostles in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. Paul writes to the church of Philippi that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. They're inseparable. And the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Listen, friends, that verse makes it very clear. I must know him if I'm going to know the power of his resurrection. I must know him if I'm going to know the power of his resurrection. John 14, verse 6 just says it so plainly. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the life. You want life? Come to me. Thomas says, we don't know where you're going, and how can we know the way? He says, well, it's easy because I'm the way and I'm the truth and the life. If you want the way, you come through me. You want the truth, you come through me. You want life, you come through me. That's how we know the resurrection and the life. Turn and closing this morning to Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20. We read the first few verses. The first few verses talk about that first resurrection. Blessed in verse 6, blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. But look at the other, verse 11. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead 
small and great, stand before God. Dead men don't stand unless they've been resurrected. You understand? It says, I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books. I've, I've explained this verse before, but let me just take a moment again. According to the works, the Bible talks about the books that were opened and another book opened, which is the book of life. Now, these dead people were not judged out of the book of life. The Bible says they were judged out of the books, referring to the books that were opened. This was a record of all their works. And likely many people stood there in great pride as Jesus read off those book of works. And it says they were judged out of those books according to their works. And, and, and they would put Joe Smith up there and, and he'd say, well, Joe was a great humanitarian. He fed the hungry. He brought medical aid to the sick. He bailed people out of their financial crises. He, he, he walked old ladies across the street. He, he, you know, he, he, was just, he gave great money to charity and all these things. And Joe's standing there all puffed up with pride. But when he opened the book of life, his name was not there. The Bible goes on and it says, And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. This is the second resurrection. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. See, why were they judged according to their works? Because they weren't saved. Their name wasn't in the book of life. Do you know what, do you know what the Bible says? If I were to stand, if Al Fury were to stand before God and to be judged by my works, they might say, well, he, he preached every single week at Bethel Baptist Church, filthy rags. He gave money in the offering plate every week. Filthy rags. Just, just sounding brass and tinkling cymbals. But when he opens up the book of life, it'll say, oh, but I see that one day he trusted in Jesus Christ and his, the blood of Christ washed all his sins away and his name is written right here in the Lamb's book of life. Praise God, I don't have to be judged out of the book of works, but I get judged out of the book of life. The Bible says in verse 14, And death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. There's a resurrection for the just and there's a resurrection for the dead. The dead will stand before God and have all their works read out of all those books. Boy, those books must be thick. Because let me tell you, even unsaved people, there's a lot of good works out there. There's a lot of humanitarian efforts. There's a lot of good things that are happening. But if their name is not written in the Lamb's book of life, they are lost and will be cast into the lake of fire. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning. The person of the resurrection is the Lord Jesus Christ. If you want to be assured a home in heaven, if you want to be resurrected to stand before God like Job and see Him face to face and not be afraid of a coming judgment, then you must know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Revelation, or Romans chapter 3 makes it plain that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And Romans 6 says, For the wages of that sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Here's an interesting thing. In Revelation chapter 20, the Bible says the dead stood before God. How could the dead be expected to be found in the book of life? The Bible says today that if you're lost in your sins, you are dead already. Romans, uh, John 3.17 says that if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are already in condemnation. Here's the good news. The flip side of that is if you're in Christ Jesus, and there's therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Romans chapter 8 verse 1. Ephesians chapter 2 says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. If you're, if you're part of the dead, you're going to be resurrected to stand there, and your name will not be found in the book of life. But the good news is, Jesus Christ can quicken you, make you alive today. That though your body may die, your spirit will always live. Be resurrected one day, that body be resurrected one day, a glorified, immortal, incorruptible body, standing before God and to live forever in his presence. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior today? Do you know Jesus as the resurrection and the life? It's, it's, I don't mean to be crude or flippant, but I, I really look at it, it's almost like hitching a wagon. I have to get hooked up to Jesus 
The Bible kind of says something like that. He says, take my yoke upon you. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. The invitation starts, come all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to Jesus today. Father, we thank you for those that are here. We pray that you bless in this invitation time. Speak to our hearts. If there's any that know not Christ, may today be the day of salvation. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Let's stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Piano's playing softly. You know, salvation's very simple. Jesus said, whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall have eternal life. Trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, I am the resurrection and life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Do you believe in Jesus today? Have you put your faith and trust in him? I'm not talking just about a simple belief. The Bible says the demons in hell believe and they tremble. I'm talking about trusting Jesus Christ as the only way of salvation. Putting your faith in him. Are you saved today? We'd like to take somebody with a Bible and show you what it means to have eternal life. We're not going to scare you or threaten you in any way. We're not going to force you into any type of decision. We just want to take the truth of Scripture, show you what the Bible says, and allow you to ask any questions you want. A man with a man, a lady with a lady. And we take all the time you need to make sure that you know Jesus as your Savior. Is there one here today say, Preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved. If I were to die, I don't know that I'd have eternal life. I don't know if I'd go to heaven or hell. I'm just not sure. Would you raise your hand today? Is there one? Is there one? Maybe there's some here today that needed, just needed the reminder. You know, I, I can't help but think Mrs. Luton is lying in bed and struggling. And I, and I got, I, I, to be honest with you, I'm thinking this morning, oh, maybe I should preach a different message. The devil said, preach a different message. You don't want to discourage the tooks. And I got halfway through the message on the platform and I thought, man, this could only encourage the tooks. They know their mom's saved. That he is the resurrection and the life. And, and, and maybe, in, maybe if the Lord wills it in just a short time, she'll be kicking up gold dust. I mean, do you have that kind of assurance? If this thought today, it's none of my business, but if this thought from Scripture today helped you, would you thank God and help Him to help you, ask Him to help you grow through this? Be better prepared. Brother Baker's going to sing the first verse of that hymn. If God has spoke to your heart, this altar's open. Would you come?